0: Okay, media corruption. Now, I I do this every day. I'm sorry to be boring. I don't want to do it every day, but I have no choice. So we reported yesterday that on Friday, last Friday, the biggest story in the land, in the country, by far, was the Jesse Smollett guilty verdict, okay? There was not a bigger story. It wasn't even close. The Kentucky tornadoes didn't happen until the weekend, okay? So Everybody was covering it, but not MSNBC, run by NBC News. So from 7 o'clock in the evening until midnight, that's prime time and more. Not one mention of the Jesse Smollett verdict on MSNBC. That's, I have never seen anything like it. Again, this is NBC News. Didn't mention it. Total blackout. Why? Why? Because 24 percent of MSNBC viewers are African-American, according to uh, Public Opinion Strategies Market Research Study. All right. Twenty four percent. And from the beginning, MSNBC said Smollett was innocent, The Trump people beat him up and wanted to hang him over and over and over. So then when the verdict comes in and he's guilty, we don't mention I I mean, it's incredible. So that was on the back of Chris Cuomo getting booted out of CNN and Chris Wallace leaving abruptly, to say the least, Fox to go to CNN. And now we have Brian Williams pending. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to CNN, but I think he's got another offer someplace else. So to put all this confusion and corruption into perspective, who better then our go to media guy, Bernie Goldberg, high in the mountains of North Carolina, and he is the purveyor of bernardgoldberg.com. So where do you want to start? I mean, it's implosion in the uh, corporate media, no doubt about it.
1: With I want to start with your word corruption, which is the exact correct word. Let, let's let's take the Chris Cuomo case. Um, I have said very publicly in the past that you can't cover your friends because there are too many conflicts of interest. And if you can't cover your friends, you sure as hell can't cover your brother. Uh, You can't be someone who's mapping out strategy because you have to be honest with your audience. As to whether he should have been fired or not, I don't care one way or another. And the reason I don't care is precisely because of what you just said about MSNBC. The corruption at cable news, not just MSNBC, but all of cable news, is so extensive that the Chris Cuomo thing is just one aspect of it. If they fired him, that's okay with me. If they didn't, that would have been okay with me. But the corruption of cable news in general is much bigger than Chris Cuomo. All
0: right, but you know how it works because you worked at CBS News for I think 75 years. I mean, you took over after McKinley was assassinated and then you just went on uh, and on and on. So it's impossible for me to believe that Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, didn't know that Chris Cuomo was helping his brother, Governor Andrew Cuomo. That is impossible. Am I wrong? Well,
1: the first first thing before I get to that, I have an alibi on when McKinley was shot. (laughs) I, I was not at the scene that day. I was, I was at the gym that day. Look what, what Jeb Zucker knew and what he didn't know. This is another thing that doesn't register on my gibber a crap meter. And Bill, it's because the corruption is too widespread. I'll tell you what he did know. He did know that CNN can't get enough of stories that make Donald Trump look bad, but they don't want to do too many stories that make Joe Biden look bad. They don't do stories about the mess at the southern border, but they do stories about Donald Trump. That Zucker, whatever he knew about Chris Cuomo, and I suspect you're right, I suspect that he knew more than he was saying, but he figured maybe we can get away with this. At some point he realized this is going south, I'm not gonna let it affect me, Jeff Zucker, Chris Cuomo's gotta go. Right. But he's not fixing the rest of the corruption at CNN. And neither, neither are any of the other people who run cable news operations fixing the corruption at their outfits.
0: No, because the corporations don't care. They just want as much money as possible. Now, exactly. CNN is rebranding. And that's what Chris Wallace is all about. OK, so I. Um, I was taken by surprise. Fox News was taken by surprise. They had no idea, all right, that Wallace uh, signed a deal with CNN. Um, And CNN, this is the first step in getting people that aren't crazy lunatics on the left to work for them. I think that's what's going on here, right?
1: Well, I'd I'd rather approach this from Chris Wallace's point of view. Why did he leave Fox News? He, He says he wants to do other things besides politics and CNN streaming service provides that opportunity. Well, Fox has a streaming service, Fox Nation. They would have provided that opportunity. He didn't want to be part of Fox News anymore, and his departure doesn't come in a vacuum. Just last month, two prominent conservative contributors, Jonah Goldberg, no relation, and Stephen Hayes left because they have had enough, or they had had enough of what Fox News had become. And what it became was, as one person put it, the Trump administration in exile. And I'm pretty sure I have, in fairness to your audience, I have no inside information, but I'm pretty sure Chris Wallace left, not because CNN provided him an opportunity to do other kinds of things, but because he was fed up with what Fox News had become.
0: I don't know about that. Um, Chris is a social creature. And the winds uh, in Washington, where he lives and socializes, are decidedly against Fox News. They always have been, but not to this level. All right. Now now you have abject hatred of Fox News. It was tolerated when I was there. I still got access to Barack Obama and most Democratic politicians on the factor. Now, never. The hatred is so, so high and that's because of Donald Trump. There's no doubt about that. So I think that Mr. Wallace got an offer that paid him commiserate with what he was making at FNC, and he said, hey, this is much better for my life in general, so I'm going over there. I think that's what happened.
1: Yeah, but that's not much different. I'm, I'm just putting a few, a, a few emphasis, a little emphasis on, on Chris Wallace's side. He could have stayed at Fox. There was nobody wanted him out of Fox.
0: Yeah, but he if, didn't, he, if he didn't want to stay he didn't want to
1: be part of what Fox News has become. And that is, as I said a few seconds ago, the Trump administration in exile. It wasn't that way when you were there, Bill. It wasn't that way when I was on your show as a regular. It no, is that we were way hard
0: now. on candidate Trump, um, and we were fair and, and treated him the same way. But I, I disagree with you in the sense that in Washington DC now if you work for Fox News, you're a pariah. Oh, I, I agree with that. You, and that wasn't the way it was five years ago.
1: Okay? Do, you think, do you think Fox News is today what it was five years ago?
0: No. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it, the whole right. thing has changed. But the individual show that Wallace was doing, Fox News Sunday, and his commentaries on Brett Baier and others, they didn't change. He did exactly what he did forever and could have continued doing that. Fox News management didn't come to say to Chris Wallace, you better like Trump. Uh, They never did that. Um, And and he was walled off from everybody else. So what other people on Fox were doing didn't directly affect him except in the social realm. You see my point?
1: Yeah, I'm willing to accept that. But let me ask you this. How sorry do you think, and you probably have better Information than I do. How how sorry do you think Fox is that he left?
0: It makes him look bad. I mean, it certainly does because he was a moderating force. The Trump people didn't like him, um, but he was only doing one show on Sunday, so it didn't matter.
1: Um, but anybody, anybody who has been critical of Donald Trump, you could be a rock solid conservative. You could dislike. Everything about liberal Democrats in Washington, but if you said anything negative about Donald Trump, you were in Fox's crosshairs, and well, maybe, not not I was Wallace, there, maybe not Chris you know, Wallace. Maybe not Chris Wallace. I'm willing to I'm willing to be on your be, be with you on that. Chris Wallace may have been bulletproof, but he was.
0: But we're Fox News wasn't but tolerating. A guy like Geraldo, he, he's critical of Trump sometimes.
1: They don't. You can, you can be a liberal and be critical of Trump, but you can't be a conservative and be critical of him.
0: But here's here's the difference there's no order that I know of and I'd know, because my producers that I train, they're in, still there, over there. There's no order for anybody on Fox News to give Donald Trump favorable treatment. That doesn't you, happen, okay? They don't get the a memo, people. Bill. What?
1: You don't need a memo. Everybody has them. Everybody got the message. But
0: they choose people to put on the air who are Trump supporters. Yeah. Right. I mean, OK. But there's no order like MSNBC. We order you not to cover Jesse's Smollett. That right. doesn't happen. See, that, that's that's the difference, uh, the degree uh, of what's happening over there. But I agree with you that the whole tempo of FNC has changed. All right. And Chris Wallace didn't like the change. And so we left.
1: That's all I'm saying. Okay.
0: Um, Now, when you look at, first of all, I'm both angry and sad that traditional journalism has blown up and it'll never come back, in my opinion, in this country because these corporations don't care about information. They don't care about the American people. All they want to do is make money. Okay? So... I'm angry because I see the corruption every single day and I have to live it. I mean, just the Trump tour, the corruption on that, the reporting on that was just staggeringly dishonest. And I'm sad because it hurts the country. Who, who are we going to have watching these politicians now? There's nobody left.
1: It, it doesn't make me angry and it doesn't make me sad, not because you're wrong. Every syllable you said is correct but because I know that I can't do anything about it. It is so far freaking gone that I could talk, I'm talking into the wind when I complain about this stuff and I'm just tired of it. They have corrupted the news and you know what? You know who gets away with with a lot of this? The audience, because they're giving the audience exactly what the audience wants. The audience wants corruption. They'll all say, the people listening to us right now will say, that's not true, I don't want corruption, I want honesty. No, I don't think so. Some of you do, many of you don't. Many of you want your own views, your own biases, your own values, shot right back at you as you sit at home and watch television. And that's why they do what they do as you... you All right, but all of the
0: audiences are dwindling now. All of them are... are, are, They're all going down so that, yes, you're correct. There are some people who want to hear their own beliefs parroted right back at them. But it's the golden age of cable news. And I invented it is over. And network news is even worse. That's even worse.
1: I, I can tell you why you're right. I'm just one person. But I can't count how many people have come to me and said, I can't watch that anymore.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right, and it's the same every night. All right, go uh, Goldberg dot com is a good website for you to go because Goldberg's a feisty guy, and and he uh, he writes what he believes, and then you can kick it around, and so that's what a good website does. But I I, I noticed that unlike O'Reilly dot com, which has this magnificent Christmas store, you don't have a Hanukkah store on BernardGoldberg.com. dot com. Why I was expecting, you know to get some nice well, that, no, that, gifts?
1: No, that's not true. We sold out of all of our menorahs and our skull caps and all the Jewish stuff. We sold no, out of that you, years, ago. You, there are oh, so years many, ago. There are so <laughs> many Jewish people watching cable and watching your show and watching my website that we just sold out. I can't I can't get enough. It's, you know what? It's and the, the supply it's, chain
0: problem. It's the supply you, chain, you get,
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right,: Bernie, supply chain I, problem.:
0: I, I think Hanik is over, but I hope you had a good one. I hope you have a great holiday, and we really appreciate you coming on. OK, so I told you about this poll a couple of days ago. One half of young Americans, according uh, to uh, the Institute of Politics at the Kennedy School at Harvard, that's where I graduated from um, One half of young adults say that the American democracy is in trouble or has failed. Wow. So half the younger people don't believe that we're a functioning democracy in a positive way. So I asked my staff, get me a younger guest. But first, we have to research where he comes from. So our guest comes from Arizona State University. He is a grad student. And Arizona State University is way woke. I mean, they're whoa. They have 30 liberal student political organizations on campus. 30, ASU does. Six conservative. All right. In June 2020, student government at Arizona State sent a school-wide email encouraging everybody to back Black Lives Matter, the communist group. Okay, student government passed a resolution to defund the campus police. I mean, this is uh, Cornell stuff, Columbia stuff going on in Tempe, Arizona. So anyway, let's bring in Judah Waxelbaum. He is the engagement chair for the Young Republicans National Federation. So let's get on to why your peers feel american democracy is failing what's
2: the big reason well bill it's a bit multifaceted but on our college campuses and in the 18 to 29 demographic we've been hearing you know no justice no peace for seemingly the majority of our lives and let's be clear about what that kind of mantra means it means no peace unless i get my desired outcome we're aware of when there's instances like the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, when state troopers are getting ready for the verdict. We have grown up in a culture where the outcome of a jury of someone's peers can determine whether or not a city burns. You know, I, I hear at Arizona State University, we've seen a United States Senator, Kirsten Cinema, chased into a restroom. She's a professor at ASU for simply being further right on the political spectrum than socialism. All we right. Have- but
0: there, there's got to be. I understand the incidents and the George Floyd and, and Rittenhouse. I got it. But fundamentally, this country is set up so that we, the people, can make the decisions about who we give power to at the local, state, and federal level. Now, that is pretty vibrant if you follow politics at all, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I, I believe in our, our institutions and in our system of government, but we have a younger demographic that is regularly told that the system is failing them. The same Harvard poll that we're talking about showed that the majority of 18 to 29 year olds disapprove of Congress, regardless of their political affiliations. Well, I disapprove of Congress, so I'm with
0: you. But what I don't understand is this, I think it's Trump. Mm -hmm. That's what I think happened. Okay, so Donald Trump comes out of nowhere as a populist candidate, he wins the presidency, and then he has four years of controversy. And that's when you guys were, you know, 13, 14, 15, whatever, through that process. And because the press hammered the president every day, telling everybody how corrupt he was, how bad he was, Russia was doing it. It was all lies. But that's all you heard. Mm -hmm. And that's why now a poll like this says half say we don't even have a democracy anymore. I think it's media slash Trump driven.
2: I completely agree, Bill. You know, I grew up through most of the Obama presidency and became a registered voter during the Trump administration. And our universities are encouraging a culture of if you're conservative, keep your head down and keep your mouth shut. If you're trying to succeed academically, socially, you know, being a conservative on a campus in this day and age makes you into a social pariah in a lot of situations. Well, no doubt about
0: it. And Arizona State University is a working class school. I mean, it's designed to give an education to, you know, kids that can't go to Princeton or whatever it may be. And it's turned so dramatically left. Who's driving that? Is that the faculty driving it or the idiot students? Who's driving that to the left?
2: In terms of students, Bill, we're talking about a mob of dozens, not hundreds. This wouldn't be possible without faculty support. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Because most kids, they don't care about politics anyway. They just go with the wind, whatever is trendy. Final question for you. Um, You know, you guys are the future. Obviously, you know, you're getting a master's degree in public policy. You may go into politics, but whatever you do, I'm sure you're going to have you know some influence on Arizona wherever you decide to live what i see is is a younger generation that's not very well educated that doesn't know what happened in the past all right and that gets locked in to certain points of view both on the left and the right that are unsustainable <laughs> because you know i mean if you think black lives matter global foundation is a worthy enterprise, you're out of your blanket mind. They're communist totalitarians, but if you were to go and say that on Arizona State campus, as you said, you'd be ostracized, correct?
2: Completely. And our educational institutions are failing this country. You know, we've gone from teaching people how to think to teaching them what to think. And the results are coming to roost.
0: All right. Um, it's I, I don't know how to correct it. I think the public school system has just absolutely evaporated, Um, and and unless you read and really take an interest, you just don't know about your country. It's a complicated process here. Anyway, we want you to uh, have a great uh, holiday season, Judah. Thanks for helping us out.
2: You as well, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Okay.
0: Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com. Use promo code Bill at checkout. Now, Texas right now is the most important state in the union as far as politics is concerned. All right, now let me make the case. And this is very important. Texas is the second largest state next to California. It has 38 electoral votes. There is a trend to go blue in Texas. It is primarily a conservative state, remains so, but there has been inroads made from the Democratic side, the liberal side. The press, generally speaking, in Texas is liberal. No newspaper, major newspaper, endorsed Donald Trump. They all endorsed Joe Biden, with the exception of Dallas Morning News, which didn't endorse anyone, okay? The press and the local news is left-wing, in Texas, in San Antonio, in Houston, in Dallas, the three largest cities. Austin is very, very left-wing town. Okay, now, because Texas is so vast, the folks who live outside of the big cities are conservative, and therefore, it remains a red state. But California, New York, and Illinois will never vote Republican on a national election. And that is 104 votes electoral votes. Those three states alone. If Texas were to go blue, that would be 142 electoral votes out of the 280 needed to be president. That would be in the Democrats' pocket. They wouldn't even have to campaign. Okay? That would just skew our democracy right out. And it would be almost impossible for a Republican to win the presidency if Texas flips blue. That's how important this state is. All right. And it's a battle zone um, for all kinds of things. Now, when I go down to Houston and Dallas, I'm going to change the Trump history format and open with the border, because that is, I think, the biggest story outside of inflation in Texas. It'll be very interesting to have President Trump give us uh, a unique view on how he did secure the border and how tough it was to do that. So that's what we're going to open up with. So joining us now from Dallas is Dr. Matthew Wilson. He's the director of the Center for Faith and Learning at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and he teaches political science there as well. So we're pleased to have you. In my description of Texas, am I making any mistakes?
3: No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think Texas remains a state that leans right, leans Republican, uh, but not to the degree that it once did. And so it really is a linchpin for the future of American politics on the party balance in this country. Now, what has driven it left? There are a variety of things. Uh, Part of it is demographic change. So Texas is a majority minority state that is African Americans, Asian Americans and Latinos together comprise a majority of the population of the state of Texas. So that demographic change has been an important factor. The other thing is that the uh, democratic trend in the suburbs of Houston and uh, of of uh, Dallas and of San Antonio uh, has, has worked to the Democrats' advantage as well. So you put those things together and that's what's made Texas more competitive in recent years.
0: Now, a lot of people are moving to Texas from California and other liberal states because Texas obviously doesn't have a state income tax and is much more business friendly. Those people bring their liberal sensibilities. Are you seeing that
3: Uh, You know, people talk about that a lot, but the data actually suggests that that's not really the case, Uh, that actually people who have moved into Texas from other parts of the United States are a bit more Republican than the rest of the electorate. So uh, the Texas move towards a more competitive politics is really not primarily about people moving in from out of state, because some of them do bring conservative sensibilities because they have seen things in places like California that they really object to and don't want to see replicated in Texas. Okay, so
0: Texas's political future lies in the hands of Latinos. And a recent poll said that they're pretty much evenly divided Latinos are between the Republican and Democratic Party, 37 percent each. Uh, I noticed that in Starr County down on the border uh, that went for Trump. And I don't think it's ever been voted uh, Republican before. It's always been a Democratic county, but because of the chaos on the border Um, uh, people down in the border regions are getting more conservative or supporting Republicans in greater numbers. So do you believe that the Republicans have a chance to persuade Latino voters in Texas that their party is the one that Latinos should support?
3: Absolutely. And this is really the story politically in Texas going forward. And I would argue it's one of the most important stories in American politics going forward is what happens with Hispanic or Latino voters. Um, The whole story we've been hearing for two decades about the emerging Democratic majority rests on the assumption that Hispanics continue to vote two to one for Democrats. That did not happen in Texas in twenty twenty. And Republicans don't think it's going to happen in Texas in 2022. They see significant inroads, particularly with the Tejano communities uh, along the border. And if Republicans can break even with Hispanic voters, that's game over for the Democrats, uh, because Republicans are going to win the Anglo vote in Texas. So if they break even in Hispanic communities, then then that is a huge, huge asset to the GOP.
0: Now, you have Beto O'Rourke challenging the incumbent governor of uh, Texas, Uh, That election is next November, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. Okay, how do you see
3: that as it stands now? I see Governor Abbott having a strong advantage in that race. Uh, You know, Beto O'Rourke gave Ted Cruz a bit of a scare in 2018. But things are different in 2022, they will be, than they were in 2018. It'll be a stronger Republican year nationally, by all indications, whereas 2018 was a pretty strong Democratic year nationally. Um, And some of the bloom is off the rose of Beto O'Rourke. He was really kind of a phenomenon and a celebrity in 2018. People talked about Beto-mania on the campaign trail. Uh, But after his failed presidential bid, there's not quite the same level of excitement in the electorate about Beto O'Rourke. Uh, plus, he's gonna be running against a very well-funded uh, incumbent Republican governor in a year that should lean to a Republican advantage around the country, including Texas. I would be very surprised if he were able to unseat Governor Abbott.
0: Now, O'Rourke is a, a fairly uh, far-left guy, is he not?
3: Right, yeah, certainly to the left of the median Texas voter, I think that's safe to say.
0: All right, final question. When I worked down there uh, in Dallas, it was not a liberal media, generally speaking. Um, Now it is in Texas. How did that happen?
3: Well, I think it mirrors trends that we've seen around the country. That just disproportionately, by and large, and there are exceptions, but by and large, people who choose to go into the career of journalism lean to the left. And so, Texas media today just look a lot more like uh, national media around the country, where the the predominant political sentiment is pro-democratic and, and is on the left. And you know, people control that with professionalism to varying degrees some do a good yeah, job of right. that and of being neutral others don't
0: yeah um i don't know if it's it's bad in texas the media as it is in new york and california and but i suspect it is um we're not letting any press into uh you know they, if they want to come they can come they have to buy a ticket uh into the uh, history shows of donald trump because we know we're going to get ripped no matter what happens uh, and I expect that to happen in the Houston Chronicle, Dallas Morning News. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, uh, but I would be very shocked if we get a fair treatment down there. Last word.
3: I, I would say that the, the media have been uh, particularly critical of President Trump. They, they will continue to be largely critical in his post-presidency. But what I'll say about Texas and about Texas politics, is look next year at what happens with Hispanic voters in Texas. If Republicans do well among the Latino vote in Texas, that bodes well for the GOP, not only in this state, but around the country in the years to come. And Democrats see that erosion of Hispanic support as a five-alarm fire, and they are very concerned about it, and it definitely bears watching. I mean,
0: inflation hurts working-class people. There's no doubt about it. Hey, doctor, we really appreciate your expertise. You were a great guest. Thanks for helping us out.
3: Thanks for having me. Okay.
0: Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD. 877-444-GOLD. Or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD. Or text GOLD to
2: 65532. I'm Mike Slater for the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful
0: So I want to give you a little look back on some of the things that we did this year. And then uh, we're going to have a special with Holly, the Christmas dog. So hang tough. um, Roll the tape. So you're going to have if Biden wins, you're going to have illegal immigration. Boom. You're going to have tax rise. Boom. You're going to have a lot of social programs. So Trump did a lot of executive orders. They're all going to go. And there'll be a lot more regulations on oil, all of that. And then you're going to start to see the unintended consequences of all of that. When Donald Trump took over as president, there were caravans, thousands of people coming here. And for the first three years, they just came and came and came.
2: What drove that? So the problem of illegal family migration and illegal minor migration really began in earnest in 2013 and 2014. And this was the problem known as catch and release where people would make asylum claims. Those claims take weeks, months, even years to process so they would be released into the interior. And so large caravans took advantage of this in uh, coordination with smugglers to simply turn themselves in in huge numbers into the border patrol. We spent three years fighting the ACLU fighting radical left-wing judges and fighting activist injunctions to ultimately put in place a program to end catch and release.
0: Now, I've been saying that for two weeks based on my analysis of the border, the open border, and all the drugs that are coming in. So, presto, yesterday the U.S. Border Patrol announces that more fentanyl has been seized at the border in the first few months of this year than in all of 2020 many african americans believe that police in general give blacks a harder time than whites do you believe well,
3: that Well, you know question said many african americans believe that and i don't know whether that is true i think there's a lot of people you see on tv that says that and there's no doubt, you know, you see a lot of sound bites, you see a lot of television where that has happened. But there's a lot of African American that that do listen, and they uh, they say, well, you know, they look at the statistics, and I think that's one thing that we that people don't want to look at is the statistics.
0: What is it about criminals that fascinates the American public? You know, I. I You know, this has been going back since the beginning of movies. Mob movies, you know, uh, just like westerns. You know, mob movies are kind of like even the modern-day westerns. People are fascinated with this life, which is a horrible life, Bill. Cancel culture is adored in Hollywood. They love to destroy people. You would say, why? Why do you want to destroy creative people? Because if you disagree with them, On any level, they want to hurt you. That's called narcissism. All right? And narcissists are drawn to Hollywood. Everything that a narcissist is, looking at yourself in the mirror, that's narcissists. All right? All day long. All of that. So the cancel culture, this is ground zero for it. Hollywood. And almost every day, and I'm sure you noticed, another person goes off of the cliff. All right? And they love it out there. They just love it. Uh, it's amazing. Okay, according to the Wall Street Journal, Americans are cursing more. They've studied the internet, and uh, people use vile language all the time on it. Uh, I'm a guy that uh, has uh, tossed around some four-letter words in my life, but you know I've stopped doing that mostly. I use the word "blanket" now. So if you, if I want to curse, I, instead of saying the F word or whatever, I say "blanket." Okay, because I think if you use a lot of swear words, it brings you down. And, and your discourse is not as intelligent. That's just my opinion. So I substitute blank and maybe that doesn't work, but that's what I do. But anyway, um, from 2019 to 21, according to the journal, uh, mentions of bad words on the net rose 41%. There are 12 US cities, all led by Democrats which are breaking the annual homicide records. They are Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Albuquerque, Tucson, Portland, Oregon, Rochester, Toledo, Ohio, Austin, Texas, St. Paul, Minnesota. All of those cities are breaking the homicide records. All of them are run by progressive leftists. So maybe we see a trend here. And, I mean, the violence in New York City is just through the roof. It's crazy. And uh, San Francisco and L.A., and you know, they, they go, oh, oh no, crime stats aren't up. I say crime stats aren't up because arrests are down, because they're not even arresting people who go and hurt other people and steal cars. They don't even arrest them anymore for a variety of reasons. California, um, from March 20th to September 2021 let me be more specific from march 2020 okay last year to september of this year 2021 38 percent drop in the number of new arrivals to california okay so the state is not attracting as it always has new people coming there it's losing more than twice as many people Than it did before the pandemic because it's totally out of control the golden state is totally you cannot live there now with the pernicious taxes with the vicious crime with the crazy leftists running sacramento you move there you're going to get hurt somehow and that is the biggest state in the union san francisco is the worst for this It's plummeted 45 percent in new arrivals. Okay, now I told you that the movies are done for a variety of reasons. The pandemic was, of course, the big stake through the heart. But before that, Hollywood, because of its progressive left view, generally speaking, had alienated 50 percent of the country. All right. So 50 percent of the country goes, you know, I don't like these people. I don't know. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like the woke stuff. I don't like anything about it. And then when COVID came and the movie theaters closed and now they're open, but you know, so you don't wear a mask or anything. So people aren't going to the movies. We reported yesterday the James Bond movie actually lost money. You can believe it. So now a Steven Spielberg film, West Side Story, a remake, got glowing reviews because Steven Spielberg is loved in Hollywood, uber liberal guy uber liberal. I mean, I know him. I don't think he's a bad guy. I've always had good conversations with him, especially when he made the Lincoln movie. And I think Saving Private Ryan's best war movie ever made. But anyway, West Side Story is a bomb. All right. it only grossed $11 million in its first weekend. And it, and it got, you couldn't have get better reviews. You couldn't have gotten more marketing on it. And people are going, no, we're not going. And the kids aren't going to go to see West Side Story, by the way. This is an adult film. And the original uh, has been castigated because Natalie Wood was the lead and they needed some star power in that movie back in the 60s, but she wasn't Puerto Rican. So, oh, you know, that movie's horrible. This is an all Puerto Rican and, you know, appropriate ethnicity cast, but nobody's gone.
2: Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, here is the uh, final thought. So betting on football is fun. I've done it. You know, I don't bet a lot, but it's fun. Um, And I understand the allure of it. And it used to be illegal, but now it's not. 32 states have legalized sports gambling. And the National Football League is way, way behind it, because for them, money is everything. Roll the tape.
1: Good to have you boys back. You know how
0: it
3: is. You never really left. Slow down, I gotta make my picks. You want to on this win bet with me?
0: Win bet. I like where your head's at, but Boston's not covering.
3: Sure they will. You gotta do what he
0: says. He's driving. That's not a rule. Win bet, huh? Yep.
3: Bet any game, any time, and you bet with win, so it's the best. You don't do cover?
1: just I don't want you to see my respect. record of picks you see how I win some of the time? yeah that's
3: not a good record sure? first
0: few months of the NFL season 27 billion dollars bet you can't win I can't win all right so once in a while you'll hit one but the analytics involved in setting the point spread for the National Football League are now so sophisticated that regular betters regular people who are essentially betting on a hope. You hope your team wins, okay? You don't have a chance. It's maybe five, six to one you're going to lose. Look at yesterday. So Brady and the Tampa Bay bucks they go into Washington. Washington has got, you know, all kinds of problems. Washington kicks their butt. And that happens across the board every week. But we don't know why. The gamblers, the bookies, the odds makers, they do know why. Because they have analytics, and information that we don't have. So it's like going to Vegas and taking that dice. You're going to throw it, you're going to bet, it's all luck, 100%. Now, some people say, "Oh, I know a lot about football, and I do. And I can figure it out, you can't. The problem is that younger people, 750,000 young Americans, as estimated, between the ages of 14 and 21, have a gambling addiction. And if any of you know somebody who has one, that's a life destroyer. That's like narcotics. And now with all these, you know, Ben Affleck and all these people yucking it up and, you know, like, oh, this is harmless. Not now. You're going to bet you bet 50 bucks, something like that. You keep it reasonable. You don't bet stuff you can't afford. Because you're going to lose way more than you win. And you'll never hear that on the NFL commercials or anyplace else because these guys are making tons of money shilling for sports betting. That is a final thought of the day. We appreciate you watching us tonight. We hope you enjoyed the program. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name in town if you wish to opine. We'll see you tomorrow.